0: What's going on, people? Welcome to Pain Points. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the Canis Supers family. I'm back after a week hiatus. Um, I was very sick last week and unfortunately was not able to do the show, let alone get out of bed. So I am back this week. We have some Timberwolves news. It's been... Uh, A bit of a slow news week up until this point, I think. Things have kind of just been plodding along in Timberwolves' land, even with the return of D'Angelo Russell. But today, the news came out that Alex Rodriguez and Mark Law uh, plan to buy the Timberwolves off Glenn Taylor. Uh, Obviously, we know Glenn has been trying to sell the team for a while, and and this seems to have come together pretty quickly and seems to be not final yet. They do have a 30-day exclusive negotiating window. But it seems to definitely be the most tangible evidence that we have that Minnesota will be sold to to a different party outside of Glenn Taylor. To break down all of that with me and then kind of branch off into more of the wider Timberwolves world is Canis Hoopus, editor-in-chief, friend of the show, legend of the game, Carl Teige. What's going on, man?
1: How's it going, dude? Welcome back. I'm again. First and foremost, I'm glad you're doing better because uh, I know we had a little health scare there. Uh, we almost lost pain points, um, but we're back, and you you look like you're doing better. So, uh, yeah, let's. Like you said, it's been kind of. I mean, as Dane Moore always says, right? Weirdest team ever. Uh, we kind of got through the weirdest parts, I thought, of the season. Like okay. we survived injuries and COVID to Carl. And, um, there was that random Saturday night or Sunday night, I should say, when, uh, they flipped the switch and let go of Ryan, um, to bring in Chris Finch. I mean, that was another, like I said, weirdest team ever. Uh, not only did they fire their coach, they had the new one lined up (laughs) ready to go Monday morning. Um, and then, yeah, as I'm what, what, what time. So our friend John Krasinski actually got to the news like kind of beat like Woj and Shams, so shout out to John. Um but three forty eight PM when, when John tweeted that out, were you was that were you sleeping?
0: Yeah, I was asleep, yeah. And I like I said to you before we got on air, normally I kind of wake up at the sound of anything. Uh but I slept through everything until about ten AM, nine thirty AM this morning, about an hour and a half ago when we were recording this, and I woke up to fifty notifications and the the Timberwolves world kind of in a tailspin and that's how I love it. I love when we're in the news. I know that normally it's a it's a bad thing, you know, ninety nine percent of the time it's a bad thing, but it's definitely better than than nothing. And I like I said, I think even with the the stories that were surrounding the team, it had been a little bit quiet lately. They they were just you know they weren't terrible where they where you had to talk about how bad this team was, but they also weren't good enough to talk about how good they were. So it, it, it was. It was a nice little little Wolves day. Uh, what what were your first reactions when you saw it? Obviously, you saw it come through live. You know, hours before me. What what swept over you as the first emotion?
1: First reaction <laughs> was that. That's me just cracking a beer. Um, I was a couple mimosas deep. Um, in, in you know you and I just do this as like as a side gig, right? But in the content game, I always think of like beat, beat reporters like John or Dane or Chris Hines. Uh, you never get to rest. Like today was the quintessential like Saturday in the States of just watch the Masters. It's really warm out. Like vaccines are going around. Like everyone can relax. And then all of a sudden I'm just sitting there having a mimosa. And my phone, I mean, you know, it's like all our phones. Are, my phone is vibrating nonstop. So I'm thinking my mom is sending me a hundred different Instagram posts. Uh, and I see this Mad Lib that Alex Rodriguez who as we talked before like you're not super familiar with so right which because you're in Australia but Alex Rodriguez three-time baseball MVP um for, former you know steroid user over here in the states um former New York Yankee former boyfriend to Jennifer Lopez one of my middle school crushes um is buying the Timberwolves out of nowhere like not Aaron Aflalo, not something that we've heard. Just like wham, bam, hey, Alex Rodriguez is coming over for lasagna and everyone's invited. Uh, wild shit. Um, so you kind of already talked about this, but as kind of giving credit to where credits due, John had reported that, um, like you said, 30-day exclusive negotiating window. So that gives them a month. If a deal is finalized, which it will be um, – Glenn Taylor, who owns the team now, would serve as about two and a half years as kind of still the majority owner um, before like officially passing it off to Alex Rodriguez and his billionaire bestie, uh, Mark Lohr. Um, John had also added that the plan was for Glenn to serve as a mentor to, to A-Rod and Lohr, uh through the early stages and then hand the reins to them. So that happens, right? Let's just stop there. Um, panic sets in everyone's everyone's nervous um because because again it's it's this is this is for another podcast that we go six hours on but you know everyone does kind of hate hate watch the timberwolves or you know they, they they're so frustrating as a franchise um so you say these things when you're mad and they're getting spanked by the clippers like oh i don't care if they move but then when it happens right like you do get emotional and you get scared um Cause I know that happened to me. I mean, I'm living out in Portland. You're halfway across the globe. Yeah, and, it's like, and even then, I don't, don't want the team. See-
0: yeah, I don't want the team to move. Like, I don't. I, I, I would support the team. I think anywhere they went, but I, I'd go for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, that's the team I cover, and that's the team I want to continue covering, even if I am half a world away. Like, it's not. Yeah. It's not um kind of a location thing. It's more of just a, a a tribal thing. I think.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, if they were the Moon Timberwolves, <laughs> yeah. I think you and I would still buy jerseys and produce content. Um. So that so that that was the first earthquake, right? Everyone just panics. Um, since then, Chris Hine, uh, John Krasinski, Doogie Wolfson have all spoken to Glenn. Uh, it looks like Glenn is down in Florida living his best life. Um, and he has said, and again, this is where you can be pessimistic or optimistic. He has said that the whole deal has been centered around legal language that keeps the team in Minneapolis.
0: And that's been stated um, from day one. Like. Credit to Glenn that he has never once, and obviously, you know, this could come back to bite me in the ass because we don't know what's going to happen in two, three, four, five years. But from day one, since this news broke that he's really pushing to sell the team, he has said that he does not want this team to move and that any deal that gets made will be made under the premise that this team stays in Minnesota. And I don't know how much, you know, language they can write into that contract. I know that that, you know, that the reporting from Chris and, and from Doody and from John all said that they are they are gonna have language written to that contract to keep the team here in Minnesota. But I, I just think there's not much that else that Glenn can do but kind of, you know, everything he can to keep it here. Once he hands it off, who knows what's gonna happen. But I think that he's definitely not just kind of throwing this team under the bus and, and hoping that Alex Rodriguez tapes the team. I think he's going to do everything legally possible to actually tape them here in Minnesota.
1: And I respect if you don't... Like, Glenn Taylor has done nothing to earn our respect, to earn our trust, right? Like, the last time Glenn did one of these handshake deals, right, was with Wiggins. When he's like, hey, will you work hard for the max contract? And Wiggs and is like, yeah. And the time before what, that like, was just,
0: with Joe Smith which set the franchise back to about 400 years.
1: So while many that know me know that I'm glass half full or maybe I'm not an apologist, but just like, I'm not defending Glenn, but I also think like, sometimes you have to log off Twitter and remember that these people are still like humans, right? Like that, like Glenn Taylor is 79 years old. He turns 80 in April, his family, and again, I'm just like a blogger and we're bloggers, but like I, you talk to people. I was at games like we, we do know people that know stuff. Glenn Taylor's family wants nothing to do with these teams. Right. They do not want to watch their dad and their granddad die or or their husband die like Becky, who is his wife, and then take over the team. They don't want that. That's why Glenn is trying to sell. Um. And another thing we know, everyone knows on, you know, around the team, um, He's turned down good deals. Um, he had, like, you know, people. I know he had that situation where he tried to sell a couple of years ago, and he balked, and now everyone kind of, you know, started calling him the boy who cried wolf when it popped up last summer again. He wants to sell,
0: and, and there's if, been no shortage now. of people offering deals that are yeah. to move the team out of Minnesota. Like, there is a lot of people who want to take the Timberwolves and make them the Seattle Timberwolves or the Las Vegas Timberwolves. Yep. Like, he could have made really good money. If he didn't care about keeping this team in Minnesota,
1: so beautiful. So this is my this is my take. Just if you respect me enough, like to listen to this, I think what is Glenn's what the the Lynx are their own their own beast, right? Because the Lynx have shown like they're they dynasty, like and they've we, shown uh, a way to win.
0: And I I we shouldn't uh, exclude the fact that the Lynx are included in this deal and a major part of this deal. They are the winning team in Minnesota when it comes to. So actual success, you know, tangible success on the court, links are the are the gold standard in the WNBA, let alone you know in Minnesota.
1: Yep, and, and and so so brilliant. Like I said, for as it relates to the Timberwolves, what is Glenn Taylor's legacy? It it it's not it's not winning, right? It's not banners. Um, so Glenn's not paying me. I don't like Glenn. So don't take this misconstrued. I'm just saying there's a chance that that guy realized pretty much my legacy here is tied to keeping this team in town, keeping this team in the state that I love that I'm from, like that everything means something to me. So he knows he wasn't going to build a winner before he, you know, either sold or died (laughs) as as gruesome as that sounds. He, he knows that the legacy of this, if this team, if he does get bamboozled by A-Rod and his friend, just like he did by Wiggins or the Joe Smith deal, and they're 24 and a half months from now, the Seattle werewolves or the Las Vegas Stripper Wolves. Um, that 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 that's it for him. He'll go down. He'll go down as one of the worst owners of all time. Um, so I am a trusting person by nature, and I've gotten burned thousands of times. And again, we're recording this from Australia and Portland, Oregon, like two guys that aren't in the city. Um, but I really do believe as it stands now and then you know again all these beat reporters are saying the right things for now but we'll see we won't know for a couple of years but hell like yo the Utah Jazz sold in a second no one had any idea that they were really up for grabs and they were just sold now they stayed in Salt Lake City but I don't know I mean I've seen tweets about well where will the team be 2030 hell where the fuck will I be in 2030 I hope I'm alive <laughs> like let's just like relax I do think Glenn. Took his time with this. I think he found people. Alex Rodriguez tried to buy the New York Mets. Like he he's stationed down, I think, in Florida, but he he wants to own a team. Who doesn't? It's the best investment it the prints money.
0: Um Glenn Taylor so bought I the team for 90 million dollars and he just sold them for 1.5 billion dollars. Like that is just an insane investment. Insane. And he ran them I tried and to, he ran I, them incompetently for 30 years. And he just made $1.4 billion.
1: So, and again, all you have to do is like, if you just buy the team, whatever the team is, and you just throw it in the closet, come 2040, you've probably doubled your money. Yeah, market.
0: just purely... That's just, that's just how this purely works. Purely by you know, the inflation, like of 30 mm-hmm. years worth of time going by. Even if the Minnesota Timberwolves suck for the next 30 years, if Arod sells them in 30 years, it's probably going to be for $3 billion.
1: And, and we can't scoff at the fact that Seattle and Las Vegas, two cities I'm actually pretty familiar with too. Like I've been there a lot. I have friends there, you know, you follow like kind of just their general p- people on Twitter and stuff too, like from a business sense too. Cause that's what always gets me is I love the business side of this. Um, they're going to get teams. I really think that. Um, but from an NBA standpoint, I really think it makes far more financial sense to, especially after the pandemic and all these teams lost money, it makes far more sense to expand and get those expansion fees, which are just straight 30 to $50 million direct deposits, um, than it does to move a team. And again, there are a lot of people far more pessimistic than me, and I, I respect that. That's just not how I look at this. Um, but I do know that Glenn, after serving in his role, I can't remember the exact title, but he was like the – the president of the Board of Governors or whatever for the longest time. Um, he was very tight, tight with David Stern. He's also been pretty tight with Adam Silver. Um, I think that matters. Uh, and maybe I'm, maybe it's not even I think. Maybe I hope it matters. Uh, but I think Adam Silver doesn't want to have a team move under – like so I don't think Adam Silver wants that on his resume. I don't think he wants to see a team move because even though they're the Timberwolves and even though they have the worst winning percentage in all of sports – it it's a it's a disaster for like an economy for a city.
0: It's a failure. Like it's, it's a, a disaster for, the- for for an, yeah, uh, you know yeah. for someone who runs the league for a team to not be successful enough or to not be financially stable enough for for whatever reason to move cities, especially one that's been in the NBA for thirty years. Like I don't think actual success on the court matters as much as kind of just just being a mainstay in the league like and Adam Silver doesn't want that and and I like it's common knowledge that Adam Silver wants expansion they they want to bring in Las Vegas and Seattle or Cincinnati or you know whatever team ends up buying the rights to the franchise they want to bring in two more teams he said that you know he's dropped multiple hints before that that is on the cards and that's something they discuss I don't think that he wants to move. A current team and I don't think that it's something that he'll be jumping at the at the prospect of if, if Rodriguez does kind of back out on Glenn Taylor's you know quote unquote promise that, that he made him so I, I don't know I, I think that at least for now the the concerns of the team moving are pretty overblown and in the in the long term i probably think that they're a little bit overblown as well uh and i know we're both on the same page i I like minnesota's young core i know i've said that you know what's that 475 times in the last 15 years but (laughs) (laughs) but i actually do and i think that that it's that's not that far away from being a team that actually garners some sort of respect around the league and that's kind of where i'm at with it and
1: again Twitter is a dumpster fire, <laughs> right? And I, I love Twitter. Like I, I, I use it, like you use it, whatever. But um, so you're gonna get a lot of pessimistic takes, and that's respectable. And when it oh, comes I, to this it's team, a,
0: Twitter is a loud minority. Like that's what it right. is. Right? Yes.
1: Beautiful. Uh, you're gonna get a lot of people that are just you know, especially with this franchise. You know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, no, flip that. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like there's no reason to trust Glenn Taylor. There's not. Um. But if you subscribe to this notion, and I, 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 for more than my love for the Timberwolves, more than my jokes about Jane McDaniel's Canis producing content, all my like, I am so big into the business of of sports and just business in general. Um, I firmly believe you have a job. I mean, I have a job, and if you're listening to this, you probably have a job. And if your organization sucks, it usually goes all the way to the top. Like it does like bad organizations can have really great employees and the Timberwolves and the Lynx do like, I'm not just talking about like ones that you recognize their face, Chris Finch Cheryl Reeve. Um, I'm talking about like, like, uh, a PR person like Corey Henry, uh, who hooks all of the Canis people up with credentials all the time to go to games. Uh, there's good people in that organization, but the lack of success goes to the top to the snake's head. And that's Glenn Taylor. So while you can be scared and fearful of the risk of now this team possibly moving, there's a really good chance, too, that legit professional ownership turns this shit around, right? So, I mean, outside of moving, which, as you and I have now stated for a couple minutes, like, what well, could be a disaster, change is, like, what this franchise needs. You know that, right? Like, they ne- they don't win, this could be the, the the stamp that finally turns them around, turns them into not just a laughing stock of the league, but gives them a little respect. So that's that's where I'm at. This will be a developing story, as we kind of all know. Um, it continue, the, the message right now is, you know, Glenn is selling the team. It'll be a two-and-a-half-year process, um, and that they're going to stay in town. We'll see what happens. I'm sure this will not be the last time you and I talk about this, but... Uh, my my real not bullshitting you honest opinion that I would that I texted my dad and he's that's who I'm honest with I think today is a really good day and the first page of a new chapter for professional men's and women's basketball in the state of Minnesota
0: One thing before we move on one thing that I want to get your your opinion on here is what do you think I guess a, uh, what difference do you think it makes with it with an owner that's so much younger and I guess so much kind of more more modern compared to obviously Glenn and a lot of the older old older businessmen owners that are around the league, especially older white businessmen, and then how I guess uh progressive is it that that he isn't just an old white dude like is that a, is that i think that's a good sign like do you agree that it's not just someone who who's an old white you know country club member taking over a team and, and probably has some fresher ideas and a and a more modern look at at sports in general especially obviously being a three time uh you know um mlb M- mvp as i said i'm not a baseball fan I could not have told you who who Rodriguez was before today like but do you think that that this modern kind of look on things and a progressive look in terms of you know racial equality as well is is just a real is a good look for the Timberwolves and a good look for the league in general
1: I, I think a 100% I I know I almost want to back or walk this back to because it's kind of a joke that was fueled by a white claw. Um, when I said Alex Rodriguez was taking steroids in baseball, that has nothing to do with this. But but I, I do because – so you don't really follow baseball much, which is chill. But over here, like Alex Rodriguez has almost had like two different lives. Like his baseball career was really weird. Like he moved around a couple teams, made a shit ton of money. Uh, there was the whole steroid scandal. He played for the Yankees, right? So like that – no one likes the Yankees. Um, but his like second chapter of his life or like his post baseball career, um, he's like really changed his image. Like he was the face of baseball on ESPN, like Sunday night baseball. He's, he's kind of, I don't know how much uh, football you watch, but like NFL football, but like, he's kind of like our, like the Tony Romo of baseball. Like he's a great baseball analysis. I, I think, um, financially, he was like doing shark tank stuff and he's got the corp and he's involved in a lot of business deals and he's a really good businessman. Um, which is why he, you know, has been befriended guys like Laura who are billionaires. Um, and that's, you know, if we're going to compare apples and oranges, that's kind of what Kevin Garnett didn't have. Kevin Garnett, fantastic career, hall of famer, won a ring. Um, but he didn't really have, in 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 my opinion, he didn't really have the business act like Acumen that 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 Rodriguez has. Like he didn't have those deep-pocketed investors. So I think you bring up a really good point. Like I mean, Alex Rodriguez, I think, is from the Dominican Republic. Yeah, he is. Um, and and I think it brings you know another minority ownership into the league, which is great. It'll be interesting now to see.
0: And rare. These ownership
1: groups, just so rare. yeah, yeah. These ownership and- groups aren't just like me and Jake. Yeah, it's always like me, Jake, and then thirty other people. So it'll be interesting. Does he? Does he try to bring in more female ownership? Does he try to bring in more diverse? Um, I don't think any of this plays into the like. I don't think this has any effect right now on the Wolves front office. Yeah. I re- I really don't like this whole two and a half year thing. Like I think Glenn will stay in stay in charge for a while. Um,
0: Which means Rosas know, maybe, keeps his job, I think. Like, yeah, I Rosas think...
1: keeps his job. Nothing crazy happens yeah, on the Yeah, because that was always a fear as um, well,
0: that that the new owner would just come in and clean house and do whatever he wanted. But I think at least while Glenn's here, he'll kind of have the final say uh, and, on his guys. And I, and I,
1: and I, I think, uh, again, you don't have to like my take, and it, it's not praying. It's it's really, this is how I feel when when the mimosas drain out of my body. Yeah. Um, there were people who, and this is fact, like this is what I know, but then John Chris, people report it. There were people who offered more money for the Timberwolves than what Glenn is reportedly going to sell them. That is that is a fact. He wanted to try his best to keep this team around. That, that Aaron Aflalo group had some deep-pocketed investors, and Aaron Aflalo, I believe, lives in Las Vegas. His zip code is like North Las Vegas. He wanted to put the team there. So I think this is Glenn's maybe again, maybe he gets you know the the Charlie Brown football pulled out from under him again. Um and his legacy will go down as the worst owner in sports. Because that would be it. If they move, he would I think he would go down as the worst owner in sports. Um like right up there with Donald Sterling. Uh but if he can keep him here um and sell it to I mean, there there was no Minnesota. Uh, There was no local interest. There was never going to be some Minnesota, you know, Lake Minnetonka hedge fund guy that had $2 sitting around in his yacht. Um, I think this is the best decision. I think it – like you brought up the diversity point. That's brilliant. Um, I think it's exciting. That's it. That's kind of my last take. I think this is an exciting moment for the the state. Um, We'll continue to monitor it. But I feel more – truthfully, dude – I feel better about my favorite franchises, the Wolves and the Lynx, who I used to work for, this Saturday than I did yesterday. That's how I feel.
0: Right, right, and I think that's fair. Uh, well, moving on, then uh, we we're not businessmen, so I think about twenty five minutes is is about our our max limit. Actually, let's take let's take a short break, and then we'll come back, and we'll actually talk some some on court wolf stuff. Okay, we are back. Moving on from the ownership change and the sale of the Timberwolves, I want to wind you up a little bit here, Kyle. I want to, I want to, I want to pull your string back and kind of just let you go because we've both had a pretty big issue, I guess. We've taken a bit of umbrage to the way that Anthony Edwards has been treated by the by the outside media. I think if you're a Timberwolves fan, I don't know many Timberwolves fans who don't. Love Ant, and I don't think you, you can. I think you can criticize Anthony Edwards without kind of you know not liking him uh, per se. Uh, I, I criticize Ant every game to you know when I'm talking to people. When I'm talking to you, you know when we're tweeting whatever. But I also think that there is a weird agenda at the moment about Anthony Edwards. It's the it's the it's I don't I don't even know how to explain it. No, no one seems to want to give him his flowers. Um, and I don't think that means. I think that it's almost like if someone says Anthony Edwards is the rookie of the year, or Anthony Edwards is having a great season for a rookie. Uh, that that you're putting down Lamelo Ball, who has been crowned as you know our lord and savior already. And I just, I just I don't know. I find it weird. I think Anthony Edwards is averaging 24 points on 45% shooting since the All Star break. Before that, he was good too. The numbers have always been kind of anchored a little bit by his shooting percentages. Like I said, it's at 45% from the All-Star break. It's above 40 now for the season, which is a shallow kind of landmark, but considering he was south of 35 for most of the season, you know, for the first part of his his season, 40 is a huge testament to how far he's come. And then I go on Twitter and I see, you know, people, national media guys doing 25 players under 25 and he's not in it at all. I see guys doing redrafts and he's going below James Wiseman. Uh, I, I don't get it. Please help me understand it if you can, because I don't get it. Alex
1: Rodriguez ruined this podcast because <laughs> Jake and I have been teeing this one up for a week. <laughs> um, I, I... I actually feel pretty passionate about this. And I I wonder, before I dive into the rookie of the year stuff, I kind of want your opinion too. Like, I think in 2021, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's social media or what it is. But I take – you and I don't make like barely any money covering the Timberwolves. um, But we do it because we love it. And I think we do a really good job. I don't think the national coverage of basketball has ever been worse. Like, I don't think, and, and, and I don't know whose fault that is, right? But, like, I, I, th- think, I think the local coverage.
0: I think if you're talking about the really marketable guys in the league, there is just excellent pieces, excellent coverage all of the time. If you're talking about anyone outside of that 10 to 15 player bubble, it's virtually non-existent.
1: And, and it kind of goes the same to, like, the most uh, notable basketball faces right of like nba twitter like i don't have i guess i don't i I still listen to bill simmons i still watch the jump with rachel nichols uh i still read john hollinger but i really think like all those people with in 2021 when you are so you have your you're so friendly with agents or with certain front office people the media coverage has like never been more biased. Like it's never been. That's why, again, I I love this stupid ass Timberwolves team that is the worst team in the history of earth, because I think the coverage of it from John to Brit to Dane to little guys like us, like I think it is really good and maybe I'm biased, but, and I say all of that and it's just, the way Anthony Edwards specifically... You don't have to like the Timberwolves. Why would you, right? We've just talked yeah. about Glenn <laughs> Taylor and how unsuccessful they are.
0: That is exactly what I was going to say. But- is I don't expect anyone to sit down on a Friday night and watch the Timberwolves like we do. Like It's psychopathical. But I expect that if you are going to have an opinion on Anthony Edwards or on the Timberwolves as a whole, Carl Anthony Towns has been a victim of this same kind of shit for years. Uh, I, I, I think if you're going to have an opinion especially one that you're going to put out in the either social not even the social media sphere more on a platform uh you know a website a TV like a podcast i think you have to have more knowledge than a, a venture to basketball reference and that seems to
1: and you have to be and you have to be consistent that's where I'm, that's where you're going to wind me up you have to be consistent and you have to be able to admit My- when
0: you're wrong you can i can say to you with a straight face, that Anthony Edwards was horrendous for the first two months of the season. Like, flashes, yeah. And when you're a Timberwolves fan, they, those flashes mean, you know, more than they do to anyone else, for sure. But you can't just, like, you can't let a two-month period of a rookie, especially, you know, we we don't have to go into really what's different about these rookies with the summer league and the off-season and the COVID-19. Like, that's that's been beaten to death. But... Like if you have, you can't cement your opinion in the first month of the season on a rookie and then refuse to budge.
1: But okay, so go back to that. Here, here is like my consistency take, or my 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 why I literally probably need counseling. Why I'm losing sleep? Like the the top twenty five under twenty five, or like rookie of the year, or people redrafting. A lot of people listening to this are probably just Timberwolves fans, right? So Ant's the only really rookie they've seen. Um. And, and I should preface all of this by saying that if, if this was 2K, NBA 2K, and we turned the injuries off, I don't have a vote, but I was voting for LaMelo Ball. Oh, 100%. He was the leader.
0: I he was runaway later.
1: It's, it's not close. Yeah. It was not close. He was leading in every category. And he was doing so on a winning team. Like, yes, it's the East, but he was doing so in a way that really, I don't want to say led to winning, but it was helping them win, which are kind of two different things. But my consistency thing goes back to, like, James Wiseman. If you had no stake and you were not in bed with Bob Myers or anyone in the Warriors, you know, or, like, Silicon Valley, you were just watching basketball. James Wiseman has not been good. And that's okay. He's 19. I really think James Wiseman has a bright future. But when people talk about James Wiseman, who has been bad? Like I'll say, James Wiseman has sucked. They say what you just said. They say, well, you know, he didn't get to play much at all in his college year, and then there was COVID, and then there was no summer league, expedited training camp. It's just been a tough year for that 19-year-old. Doesn't that make what Anthony Edwards is doing that much more special? Right. Because Ant didn't have summer league either. He didn't have much of a training camp.
0: He's, he's been a 30% ad- usage he's- rate on a team with no other perimeter threats. I said I tweeted this out the other day, but if that is not the starting point when you're evaluating Anthony Edwards, I do not want to hear your opinion on it because he's got a higher usage rate than Jimmy Butler. He's got a higher usage rate than Nikola Jokic, who's about to win an MVP. He's got a higher usage rate than Jason Tatum, who just dropped 50 on Minnesota last night. Higher usage rate than Kawhi Leonard, who's one of the best players of the generation like Anthony Edwards 19 years old he's played 54 games on the toughest league and, on the planet like give me a break if you're talking about efficiency give me a fucking and, break and
1: there, and there are there are people listening to this i mean there are so many good people on wolves twitter and just nba twitter in general and jake painting is like in my eyes one of the best that understands statistics and you can break them all down from other different ways right but to me i really think in my little pea-sized brain it's as simple as Going to ESPN.com, going to Anthony Edwards' page, clicking the splits button, and just looking at pre- and post-All-Star break. I really think it's that simple to look at him. So 36 games pre-All-Star break. Yes, Chris Finch was there for a couple, but he, he was just keeping the team afloat. They had a practice or two during the All-Star break. 17 games since then, right? I think if you just go look at those, I'm talking... 36 games before the all-star break he was averaging 15 shots a game. 17 games after he's averaging 20. His field goal percentage went up 7%. He's shooting 45% from the field, 34% from 3. Not great. I mean, right? That's that that is that below league average yeah, 34%? Yeah.
0: On high volume as well though. 8, eight attempts a game. Yeah. Right? So so not great. Huge
1: number for me. He's getting to the line 5.2 times pre Ulster break 2.4 so he's literally doubled and then some just getting to the line which is in my opinion it's not a direct correlation and tell me if this sounds stupid but it's not a direct correlation that he's getting to the rim but if you like went and charted where all of his fouls that he got were it's usually at the rim right he's not getting fouled on jump shots
0: yeah I have a working theory as well that and I haven't uh, you know researched the numbers I probably should have before I said this on the podcast but I have a working theory that since that forty-one point game against Phoenix, he's the referees have started calling way more fouls when Ant goes to the rim, just because he got that. Like that was his moment where he stamped his foot, coming out. He stamped his foot down and said, "Like I can be a really like I am going to be a really good player." And once refs, even even subconsciously, I think I don't think referees make star, you know, blow star whistles. Uh, you know, consciously. I think it's just a kind of thing that they just, it just happens when a player, you know, has more gravitas and has more, I guess, standing around the league. And I think that after that game, like he just, he got a foul last night against Boston because Timber Walker touched his hair. Like in the the first 20 games of the season, you could run him over with a Mack truck in the middle of the lane and the ref would tell him to get up. Like there's a huge difference there in the way he's looked at.
1: And and again, like not to just completely just build a Jake painting statue, but like I know I love how you see the game. He's not he he's a horrendous defender. Yep. Like st- steals and steals. I know he's got that wild steal streak, which to me actually is kind of war, like kind of actually meaningful. I mean, the lights a steal are of it, That it, many games.
0: It proves that the lights have gone on at least. You know, defensively, they're still flicker. They're at, still yeah. flickering, and you know kind of like a small lamp in the corner flickering but it's not a dark room anymore
1: but when you average 1.5 steals over 17 games I mean that at least says that like your your arms are extended (laughs) like in a worst case you might not be in a defensive stance but um yeah I just I just think it's crazy that going back to the Wiseman thing because everyone you know all the national people loved him and he didn't want to go to Minnesota and all this stuff and like If you just if you pull yourself out of Wolves Twitter for a second, which is my new favorite hobby and like go to Golden State Twitter, go search like Warriors World or Sam S. Fondiari like and see what they're struggling with with Wiseman, who has significant confidence issues, right? Said some weird things, had some weird.
0: They're not over the moon at all about Wiseman like there's no, there's some toxic stuff going on in the, you know, in terms of the conversation around him.
1: And, and and has has said some weird things post-game and has, you know, had troubles with COVID protocols. And just, again, a bunch of normal shit for a 19-year-old. Yeah, the, right. The world is James Wiseman's oyster.
0: Yeah, this but is not a James Wiseman, you know, detractor podcast. This is more just comparing the two narratives.
1: Right, it's just James Wiseman, the world is his oyster. Um, but if you're going to make all those excuses for why his production is not where you thought it would be, I just don't understand why you wouldn't then flip it and be like, isn't it really fucking impressive what Ant's doing under those same exact circumstances? No March Madness, no Summer League, hasn't picked up a ball in nine months. Like He's averaging 25 points a game on 44% shooting. A lot of things to work on. Not a strong shooter from outside. But we're, we're, we have all these things that we think Wiseman will grow into, and it's like we don't want to do the same for Ant. So, and, and so... To go back to my original – like, we are in agreement, right? LaMelo Ball, all things considered, normal season, I think LaMelo Ball was going to win like 100% approval rating on Rookie of the Year. I do think he has – I do think he's flirting with not playing enough games. I mean, there is a precedent if you go back and look at Rookie of the Year. Joel Embiid hit it. It's
0: Yeah, it's the Embiid – it's the uh, Embiid-Brogdon kind of – dynamic i think and brogdon ended up winning that didn't he that year
1: yeah and, and so that was the thing so if they still give it to Lamelo because they say dude that kid was balling on a winning team and he did just enough in a covid season that well, i'll be okay with it but here's my other final point on this Lamelo can still win rookie of the year and i'm fine with it even though the betting odds and all that stuff have really come down and, and ants the favorite anthony edwards has to And this is pretty much the only thing that I go, all jokes aside, I'm passionate about. Anthony Edwards has to finish number two. Oh, yeah. The Tyrese Tyrese Halliburton stuff is such utter bullshit what they say about them. If I have to see one more person tell me that Tyrese Halliburton makes a bunch of winning plays for the 12 seed in the Western Conference – I'm going to lose my fucking mind, okay? it's Lamelo was doing it for the four seed in the East. That's winning. Tyrese Halliburton, by the way, if you want to Google it, Luke Walton just sent him back to the bench. So after he was promoted to starter, he just got sent back down for a guy who averages 3.2 points a game, okay? I liked, again, just like Wiseman, I want all the rookies to make the All-Star game. I think Tyrese Halliburton's really fun. But just because you loved him in the pre-draft – Bill Simmons, like, he has shown you to be a really awesome 21 year old solid role player that does some winning things.
0: It's going to be if a really good player. Asked, for, it's going to be a really good player for a really long time. But, it, like, the redraft stuff, like, you're not redrafting Tyrese Halliburton, even uh, like, this is. I don't want. To, I don't want to say this is who he is because that's silly, and that's what led us to people thinking Luka Doncic wasn't the number one pick in the draft by the length of you know, the Kentucky Derby straight. Like the, but Tyrese Halliburton is a role player. He has clear limitations. He could turn out to be a really good role player, even a quasi star. But like when you are redrafting, first of all, any redraft at this point, if you are not, re, if you're not taking pretty much the exact same top 5 that you had 6 months ago you're doing it wrong because you don't draft someone for 6 months worth of production like
1: unless unless it's Dragon Bender
0: yeah like i still have i still have <laughs> one of the worst <laughs> i still have Killian Hayes in my top 3 if i did a redraft right now because i didn't have him Ooh. i didn't have him in my top 3 because i thought that he was going to be the best player in the league after 50 games like i had him in my top 3 cuz i thought he'd be the best you know one of the best crop like one inside that best crop of rookies in five years like that's what the draft is but my my point is the well has been poisoned in terms of evaluating rookies by two themes in my opinion. one is the Luca, Trey Young Donovan Mitchell types everyone, yep. ex- everyone expects if you're not averaging 25 5 and five on great efficiency and look like a future MVP, Zion Williamson, throw him in there as well. If you're not, if you're not having a clear like this dude's going to be a top ten player for the rest of his career type rookie season, everyone is out on you. And Ant's having that like I don't know how many guys are going to end like gonna end, end up averaging twenty a game for the season or very close to. And there's going to be people who genuinely don't think he can be a good player. Like I don't know how that that's only been... and he
1: was bad. He was bad, Jake. The beginning of the season, right? right. Like that's fine. But it's just – it drives me crazy because it's like when I was 21, I was a non-driven, heavy binge-drinking asshole who almost dropped out of college, right? Now, I still drink a good amount of wine and some of my friends would still say I'm an asshole. But like I went and got a couple degrees. Like I feel like I have a good job. Like it's okay to change. So that's why when I was stressing the importance of those pre- and post-all-star splits – Anthony Edwards isn't a chucker anymore. Yeah. Like like look at look at the look at the Boston game, right? Like that game was bananas by the way. Um and took 12 shots. Ant did a Tyrese Halliburton role. He was a role player. Russell took or 18 shots, Carl took 12 or 22, Jane McDaniels took 12 shots and took 12 shots. He had 24-5 five and 5. Yeah. Twelve shots. You
0: know what I mean? And that like, and, go back And to... he's starting to have games I reckon I, I think the probably the last month or so. I don't even know if this is a good thing or not, but I, my gut tells me it is. Is that he's starting to have twenty five, five, and five games where he doesn't feel like he's taken over the game. It just kind of feels like that's what he does. Like he like at no point in that Boston game did I think like Anthony Edwards is the best player on the floor. But he just play, He just did the right thing, at least offensively, and I think actually had a pretty good defensive game last night, apart from a few uh, pretty big mistakes towards the end of the game. But, like, uh, he seems to just be putting up 25 a game fairly efficiently just as a walk in the park at this point. Like, and that's scary, man, because, like, he's not even close to realising his potential or his entire kind of arsenal on the offensive end.
1: And defensively, if he looks like he does, there's there's a moment in the Boston game where he was just like, that completely zoned out. That
0: last Kemba three from the corner, him and D'Lo, like you could put you could run that on the tape to ten year olds of what not to do ever while playing defense. Like, but that like, which that should which is happen. which is a
1: great point though. Which is a great point though. You know who that's concerning for? D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> yeah. Because he is twenty five. Yeah. Like. It's 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 tougher to make an argument to anti Delo people that he's ever going to be able to turn around defensively because he's 25. But why you you I don't I physically don't think you can do that to Ant who's 19. Yes, if Ant is D'Angelo Russell's age six years from now and is looking that lost on defense, then it's a whole other conversation. But just the things he's doing defensively, I I don't care if he wins Rookie of the Year. I think Lamelo can win it, and maybe should win it. Like, I thought LaMelo was special. And I don't think that that has anything to do with, well, the Wolves should have taken LaMelo. I'm, I'm cool with what he does, and I'm cool with what Ant does. But the Halliburton thing, man, that thing drives me absolutely insane. Like, I watched that guy play 33 minutes against the Wolves and score nine points yeah. and have a, no impact, like none whatsoever. And I just think people are like, oh, you know, like, they don't even, they just kind of moved on, right? Like, they just went to the next box score to look at. And if that was Ant, man, they would have shit on him. Yeah. They would have been so down on him for how bad of a game he's played. And all, I'm putting my phone away. All stats aside, there's just a real chance that, that what that dude brings off the court is going completely underrated, right? Anthony Edwards would win Rookie of the Year if you just did a Twitter poll based on
0: he'd win, like, he'd, post-game he quotes. He'd win MVP, <laughs> <laughs> right, like he, he,
1: he's, he's 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 adored, and he his it, you talk to people in the team. I was back in Minneapolis two weeks ago. Like th- his teammates love him, love him, and I, I, it does sound like Lamelo's teammates love him, and how you know Haliburton's teammates love him. James Wiseman's teammates. I don't know what they think about him, but I mean, there's in a tough season that was marred by now a coaching change, an ownership change, COVID, all these injuries. I feel like in that little video that Dane tweeted out the other day, the team is like as close as the bubble championship Lakers. Like that means something. Now if it if if they're this close and he's 24 and they're 20 and 62, then okay, we'll have another discussion and we'll be ready to ship him out like we did Wiggins, but I just it it's well, unbelievable.
0: That's, that's the point is that these are your opinions can change. Like you can right. like obviously you want to project into the future. Like that's what we're doing Constantly with rookies. That's what we've been doing for the last twenty five minutes talking about Ant. But at some point, I think that you just need to take what he's doing on at face value as a nineteen year old, and you have to appreciate that. And then in two, three years, if the things that needs to be changed, the defense, the occasional shot selection issues, like if that stuff is where it is now and not improved at all or worse. Then yeah, that we we will have a different conversation, and we will do it and say the same things we said about Wiggins, where you know we're so surprised that it didn't work out, and we really thought that this would have changed over the last three years, all that good stuff. Like we'll do that, but for now, like dude's averaging eighteen a game since Finch took over, it's well above twenty. He's fun as hell off the court. Uh, he's doing a lot. Of good things on the court, and as I said, and um, we've said a hundred times, he's nineteen years old, and like I said, I, I didn't get to that second point that I wanted to before about kind of what's poisoned the well. Or the second one is is pre draft takes, like that's the guy the guys who really do their best to shit on Ant are the guys who had him at at five or at seven, or you know the ones who were concerned about his character, concerned about. This and that. They're the guys who will just. It, he'll need to win an MVP before they ever accept the fact that he is better than what they what they predicted he would be. And I'm not talking. And, M- they, and, they, and I'm and they not might Jake. I'm not not talking about Nate Duncan. I I'm I'm talking about <laughs> Nate Duncan. Like you know what I mean? They're the. They're oh, uh, I'm I'm
1: standing up right now for this. This is <laughs> I, I love you. That was fantastic. No, I mean. There I've always thought this. My dad said this. My dad is 68. But he's a he's a big hoops fan and I got to bring him to a game a couple of weeks ago. My dad is concerned because he loves Anthony Edwards so much. He thinks and I don't know how much I don't know how similar their games are. I don't really think they are, but he thinks that Anthony Edwards might for his career get the Russell Westbrook treatment, which is just constantly shit on by a bunch of nerds with algorithms, right? And and Russell Westbrook has never really led to winning. But Russell Westbrook is also just a really great fun person who is a fun person to watch. Like if the wizards are on and there's not a lot going on, like I'm going to tune in. I like to watch Westbrook even at his old age or older age now. And I'm afraid with that with Ant because you, I mean, again, take it away, but the pre-draft take stuff are just incredible. And it's like, forget sports for a while. Don't you just like appreciate whether it be with you and me as friends or like the relationship with a family member, like, Yo, if I'm wrong, I send some of the worst tweets in the world. And if I'm wrong, I won't delete them. No. I'll just be like, shit, I, that, that
0: was bad. Whoops. It's absolutely like, fine just... to be wrong. Like, it's yeah. completely fine to to have a pre... Like, if you... if As someone who's really got into the draft and evaluating young talent more over the last few years. And side note, if you can hear noises in my mic, it is bucketing down outside my window right now so i'm sorry (laughs) if you can if anyone can hear that but um yeah someone who who's got into evaluating talent i think that the most important thing that i've kind of learned along the way is that it's just fine to be wrong and you like the best mike schmitz you know jonathan uh, givoni anyone max carlin like all the guys who do really good draft stuff they are going to be wrong a lot and that's not because they're not good at what they do that's just because it is a crapshoot in the most literal sense of the word it is a crapshoot the draft like no one not the smartest brightest people could have told you Andrew Wiggins would you know turn out to be one of the most loathed players for that a franchise has ever had like these things happen Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins was Jordan and Pippen coming out of the draft and Jabari Parker just got waived by like the Kings or something like these things happen man and it's fine to say I thought Anthony Edwards wouldn't be very good and he looks like he could be very good that's not weird that's all I asked I think of of some people and we've ranted for and a while if- but that's yeah. kind of my my um, overarching point and and if rookie of
1: the not even rookie of the year, screw that. If 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 these guys' careers were all like a marathon, right? Um, Denny Avdia, like they're I know the Tyler, like, mi- so, they're at
0: the one mile mark.
1: And 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 credit again to Jake to Jack Borman. Tyler Tyler Metcalf is a draft savant, right? I think right. Tyler was a huge Denny guy. Um, those guys have just been slow. Yeah. Like again, using this stupid analogy, like if if it's a marathon. Denny Avdia just ran a really slow first mile. Yeah. Um, Isaac Okoro has ran a really slow first mile. Those guys could take the lead at some point down in their careers. But it's just wild that if this is a marathon and we were all reporters, that we would be sitting there.
0: And Ant's just like, ran a three making, minute mile.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ant's literally on mile six already because he's just been sprinting with this big amazing smile on, making jokes the whole time. Like, it's just really amazing that we can't at this point be like. Yo, that guy's kicking everyone's ass. And that's it. And, and you, shout, then you shout can out say,
0: Dan shout out Dan Devine from The Ringer because he's the gl- only yep. only national guy who actually has said, yo, Anthony Edwards is kicking ass Like, And there
1: there that Jake uh I tweeted out at Canis, it's on the ringer. Um, Dan Devine. He 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 did. He did. He really wrote the most non like backwards compliment article on the Timberwolves he really just said like they got Chris Finch he's a really good coach they have like the eighth best offense and he, and Ant and Carl look really good together and he like he said he, he highlighted how's Russell gonna fit they've got some issues to kind of look to, to kind of tinker with um but he just flat out said it he's like Anthony Edwards is, a, is special uh and when you see these graphics it's you know how many more graphics do you need to see on Bally Sports North or something where it's like Only other people that do what Ant has done is LeBron, Carmelo, and and other future Hall of Famer. Now, I don't know if Ant's going to be a Hall of Famer, but it's like, how many more of those do you need before you're like, oh shit, this year, this is pretty special. Because you know where James Wiseman is? There was a really viral tweet going out about, uh, I think it was points per possession on post-ups. I think James Wiseman was dead last in the league. Okay, so Ant's Doing this stuff offensively—that's next to Carmelo and LeBron, and James Wiseman is points per possession getting the same production as like my parents posting up. So it's like, it, it just it, it would just be great. And again, I, I'm, I I know what the Timberwolves are, man. I no one knows their futility and their dysfunction more than guys like us.
0: That's the bottom line. But it's just also uh, the bottom it's line. Also, is... like, if go ahead. If you
1: don't show res- if you don't show respect. The one day out of the month when they do something well, it's really hard to circle back to my whole point. It's really hard to give any damn respect to national coverage when all you do is just shit on the things that are actually really good. And this kid today is really fucking good at basketball.
0: Yeah, yeah, you put that really well. And I think the bottom line is that the Timberwolves need to win games. Like that's until that yeah, happens. I'm with you. Yes. Until that happens, like if next season they come out and they win 45 games, Denny Towns is a superstar in the media. Anthony Edwards is the next big thing. D'Angelo Russell's uh, reputation is completely, you know, resolved and, and hardened again. And Jade McDaniel's is the second coming of Jonathan Isaac slash Jesus Christ himself. Like. Which is already the view of a certain Canis editor in chief. Stop, stop! <laughs>
1: you know what I was gonna say though. To to wrap up on this, I just had this thought, and I was gonna message you this the other day. Re- just take strip everything away. Strip wins. Strip records. Strip lottery stuff. It's April 10th for me. April 11th for you in the future. Um, do you remember where we were a year ago on April 10th? Or like fast forward a couple months. Remember when we were just we the wolves were slotted to like draft seventh. Yeah. Can you imagine what our lives were like today?
0: And Andrew Wiggins was torturing it, us every night.
1: Right, but can you imagine? So, so send Wiggins out for Russell, right? And let's just get to the lottery, right? Before the Wolves win the lottery, remember when we had the seventh best odds, and we were like, okay, so are we going to take like Isaac Okoro at seven? Like, yeah. who, like just imagine that that Avengers like split reality, where it's like we're just sitting here today with the worst record in the league and Isaac Okoro. Yeah, who's who could be a nice. Little player oh, like,
0: I love Isaac Okoro, I, but he's done like these. There's very and this was the 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 knock on the draft to begin with is there's very few star level talents. There was high level role player talents littered throughout the draft, but very few star level talents. And I'm not going to make any assumptions on the future because that's what I've been kind of dissing for this whole podcast. But as it stands, subject to change, there are two players with superstar. Potential or who have shown it in their first fifty odd games of NBA basketball, and that is Anthony Edwards and Lamelo Ball. And Minnesota got one of those guys instead of getting the seventh pick, instead of getting Obi Toppin, who can't get a game, <laughs> for, who can't get on the court for, for Tibbs.
1: Don't yeah. get me started. Don't get me started on the Knicks. Don't get me started on everyone who wanted to give Tibbs Coach of the Year. Let's, let's let's wrap this up because we've ranted. We've and
0: ranted B- for a long time.
1: But let's just go quick. Like, we'll go five minutes. Um, Like, let's just talk about current state of the team. They've got, what, they've had three or four games. The beverages keep rolling, so my brain is tough here. But, like, I think they have three or four games with Russell. What have you liked? Uh, what have you not liked? Like, what? Are, what is your thoughts? Give me some basketball stuff here.
0: Yeah, so three games with Russell. One and two, obviously, the Sacramento game. They won. Uh, that weird-ass game against the Pacers, or the you know ghost of the Indiana Pacers, which they lost, and then the Boston game last night. Another weird-ass game. First thought when I think of those three games is they were all fun, and all high-scoring, and all entertaining. And at this point in the season, <laughs> that is a win for me, because I we watched a lot of of non-entertaining basketball for this season, of basketball that just made you question what is actually wrong with you for watching this, sitting on your couch and watching this instead of watching a good movie with a glass of wine. Instead, you're watching, you know, the Wolves get blown out by the Clippers in the first 15 minutes of the game. That's my first thought. Second thought is, I'm just going to touch on this for one second, D'Angelo Russell, A, I think looks a lot better B still has the same flaws as he always does. I don't know why why people think they're gonna go away. They're a real thing. They should be criticised. And C, no matter what D'Lo does, he's gonna have just a bunch of criticism from this fan base. He, the the flip the switch on D'Lo changed as dramatic as anyone I can remember for the Timberwolves. Like, remember when he got when they traded Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell? There were, there were parties, on there were parades through the Minnesota streets. Last night, D'Angelo Russell scored 10 points in the final three minutes. He hit the shot to take them to overtime. He single-handedly made that game interesting after the Wolves just completely collapsed in the third and the fourth quarters. He did the same thing against Sacramento and won the game for them. And... I cannot make a tweet without 50 people telling me how bad D'Angelo Russell is. And I'm not even a D'Angelo Russell apologist. I'm happy to sit here and talk about his flaws and that fat contract and what it means for the future. But, like, he gets treated like he is the worst player on the team. And, like, he's averaging 20... By... by I'll say it. I'll say
1: it. I'm not trying to interrupt you. By idiots. Yeah. Like, I... I'll just say it. I don't care. Jump in my mentions. I'll mute you. Like, By idiots. You're, if you're a fan of this worst team in the league you deserve like financial stimulus checks for still sticking around with this team but if you have a if you have a signed loyalty to anyone because because D'Angelo Russell what you're saying is true he was done in the moment they traded for Ricky Rubio yeah that's when it that's when it the, turned. Je- the Jeff and Teague then...
0: treatment opposite Jeff Teague who came here right. and people hated him from minute 1 Because he was traded for Rubio,
1: And and to my Ant point, Ant was a chucker who was super inefficient in the beginning of the season. D'Angelo Russell was ass the beginning of the season. If you are a D'Lo stan who thinks he's coming to your birthday party, so that's why you support him on Twitter, and he's not, like, he was terrible. But there have been some leaks, both publicly and privately, that he was dragging that leg around. He longer looks, than wh-
0: he looks like it. Like he, if you watch these last three games and tell me that he is not as spry as he has looked all season, he's moving the ball quicker. He's clearly buying into the Finch's offensive system. At least you know throughout these first three games, he's averaging twenty three points in twenty five minutes. He's hitting forty percent on eight threes a game. He's averaging five. He's averaging twenty three and five in twenty five minutes a game. Like I know it's a very small he, sample size, but how can like? How can you watch that defensive flaws and everything and just like completely hate him? I just, I do find that weird.
1: And again, I, I, when I say idiots, it's just like, I'm a Rubio guy, right? Like I love, I love everything about him. He's the reason I probably have stayed on this, stayed being a fan of this team, his first stint here. um, But like, I, I just think this goes back to like the Bill Simmons, Rachel Nichols thing, right? It's so weird to criticize those people because they take sides that don't make sense or don't have like uh like that aren't supported by facts. Um so then it's weird to criticize them but then to not be like criticize the people who just stand for Ricky Rubio or stand for D'Angelo Russell. They both are really flawed. One of them makes a little more money than the other. One of them is a little more outspoken than the other. Um
0: Well that's the problem. It's that's tough. the problem with Russell is no matter what the contract Weighs down his production unless he's just a genuine superstar. Like pe- people are my mentions every day about how Anthony e. Towns is overpaid. Like while Anthony, yeah. while while D'Angelo Russell's earning thirty million dollars, he's I don't think he's like, he's just not good enough to earn that money. I don't think he ever will be. I just think you have to evacu- You have to evaluate him. And Ant is in the same boat. You have to evaluate them in a vacuum. You can. You can say that that D'Angelo Russell it means so much for this offense in terms of spacing, in terms of a closer, in terms of a shot creator, in terms of a, as a facilitator. You can also say he's horrible on defense. He takes some dumb shots sometimes. There's times where he doesn't move the ball fast enough. Like you can, you don't have to be on. I think all players really, you should almost sit on the fence with them. Like. You need to have a leg you need to have a leg in both in both sides. And the same with Ann. You can say like we can sit here and tell you how bad his defense is. We can tell you that he was a shot chucker for much of the season and that he needs to improve still his shot selection and shot making. And also spent 30 minutes telling you how much we love him and how good he's gonna be. Like these things are all you know, that you don't have to be one side or the other, I don't think, with, with these players.
1: You don't have to be one sided. That's my thing, is like there have, been, there have been a couple mentions in my, or in my mentions of like, well, D'Angelo Russell has bounced around a bunch of teams. That's why, you know, that's why we don't lo- – do you know who else has bounced around some teams? Do you know who's loved to upgrade their point guard position every time they had a chance? The Utah Jazz from Rubio to Conley. The Phoenix Suns from Rubio to Chris Paul. Like, both Rubio and Russell are flawed. Both, I think, can coexist in, in, in stretches and can help this team win. And I'm not trying to get rid of either of them. But, like, go, go back and look at yesterday. This, is just, this was really interesting to me. So yesterday, or in that Celtics-Timberwolves Tim game, it was 122-111 with, like, 250 left. The Wolves had blown it. Russell scores a basket. Next position down, he assists Carl on a three. Next possession down, he hits a three. Next possession down, he hits a three. OK, next or a couple possessions later with nine point seven. He he missed you, you. You watch that game. He missed Ant on that fast break. I thought he had a chance to drop the ball off to him, but he had hit like eight straight points and he he did what he does best. Right. He taps his arm and says ice in his veins and took what I thought. And I want I, I haven't asked you this. That pull up three at the top in transition when they were down, I think they were down one. I love that shot. I had no problem with it. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm on the fence about it because, A, he's the only player on the team I would want to shoot that shot, even Carl Anthony Towns, because he consistently hits pull-up threes in transition. I would love to... I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm sure I could probably find them, but like his transition three-point shooting has to be like a ridiculously efficient shot You know, in terms of how hard that shot is to make, because he seems yeah. to make them all the time. So in that like from that perspective, I am not unhappy that he takes that shot. From another's perspective, I just think even if he makes it, it's still like the risk reward is still too, you know, edging towards risky for, for me to love the shot just because A, Ants going to the rim, B, you have time to pull that out. it was a it was a tight game, wasn't it?
1: I, they were down 122 to 121.
0: Yeah, so I think that you have time to to win the game right there. Like, you get, you have time to run... Chris Finch's offense, especially the Horn's offense, has looked really good in clutch moments, and they always go to that. I think you have time to get into that and get a better shot and, you know, maybe win the game for your team with four seconds left, like, rather than, than letting it go up the other end. And I think that was the play that... Uh, Tatum got the fast break layup right after Jalen Brown took the ball yep. and they went full court and he, he gave the lap, which was another dumb decision, mind you. Um,
1: but it it also, it also takes, and again, I don't, if D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio were traded tomorrow and it meant the team could start winning more games, I'm all for it. Like I do not have any loyalty. I say the Luke Ridenour joke all the time. I don't have any loyalty to any of these players. I just love this team. So I'm not saying good this is so simple right this is like high school but saying good things about Daniel russell doesn't mean i'm shitting on rubio and vice versa i like what rubio rubio started that game dude like he was on a hundred energy drinks he had like four steals in like the first quarter he was crazy he's the reason they helped build that lead yeah but it shows you dude in all these games teams can't really close with him on the court or at least in a in a predominant role that allows them him to help them score. And that's why they had D'Lo out there. They closed with Rubio on the bench,
0: but and they had to, they had to as well. They, he need to, but, but, but there's times where yeah. you just cannot have him on the floor because he can't shoot.
1: But I, I think, and this is weird because what stat backs this up, right? This is all about clutch and momentum and stuff. We disagree. Uh, Russell could have made the bounce pass to Russell or to Ant. He probably gets fouled. He takes that three. I thought it was a good look. Misses it. Celtics score. He comes right back down. Dude, it, it, it's something about certain people. He comes right back down and takes another one. Yeah. And this one he banked in, but he hit, he had, I mean, ice in your veins is a joke and ice in your veins is a marketing slogan, but like, it's also like a thing, right? Like, I've played basketball before too, where like, if I miss the shot to win a game, like 13, 13, and I miss a basket, I'm nervous as hell to shoot the next one. I'm passing to someone else. Like, he's wired in a way where he wants to take that shot. And I think, and no, and no one so- else
0: is on this team. Like, no one else... Like, I think Anne has that nope. kind of wiring, but no one else has proven consistently... Carl, Carl's,
1: they, Carl's not...
0: Carl, I don't think... Cat, Cat has never been a great touch player. This year, he's been a lot better than ever before, but he's just, like... He's also a big guy. Like, it's just harder, generally, to get him a shot, an open shot, especially an open three at the end of a game. Like, D'Angelo Russell can just dribble into a three at any point, and I, I know Carl can too, but... Um, I don't know. I just think that it's it's super important to have a closer like that in the lineup in the lineup, especially when you have a bunch of guys around him who can get you to that position. You know, throughout I, the game. I think
1: God, people must hate my analogies, but like I was gonna make a baseball analogy, but I'm gonna show some respect for Jake and make like a soccer analogy. But I think D'Angelo Russell to me is kind of like a really good goalie. Sometimes, like when D'Lo was playing early in the season, a little banged up. A, a bad version of Anthony Edwards, Ryan Saunders at the helm, so there was no offense, um, and Carl's out with a wrist or COVID. Um, he was kind of like a good goalie on a bad team, right? Like he just he he looked bad. He just like he had bad defense in front of him, bad off like bad no one's scoring goals and he's getting peppered with shots. I think now in a team that has a little more talent, a better ant, a much smarter coach, Carl's back, he's a closer. And that was my baseball analogy. He he he's a big time shot maker, um, and I I think he's been really good uh, since he's come back. I mean, I know people were like, "Well, he froze out Ant in the fourth quarter." Yeah, because he was scoring. Yeah, like it wasn't like he like he was getting to the rim. He was getting and ones. Like he he just my biggest takeaway on him, dude, is that he looks like he has two fresh legs, and it looked like he had one leg. Yeah. To start the season, and, 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 and I think Ant that's pretty exciting.
0: Seventeen. 17- fourth quarter points against the Pacers. Like, I I think that we've been, I think that Russell's proven already in the first three games that when someone else is cooking, he's going to let them cook. Like, he let Ant do his thing in Indiana and he did his own thing in Boston. And I didn't want anyone else shooting at that point because, like, D'Angelo Russell was on one. And when he's on one, he's a really good player. And to throw it back to your goalkeeper analogy, which kind of, You know, sparked a little brain worm. Is I think that just to keep it simple, he is a goalkeeper in the sense that if he has a terrible game, you're going to lose. If he plays well, you're probably going to win. Like, just as simple as that. That, like, you know, like when he plays well, this team is really dangerous. And if he's terrible and he's shooting three or 15, you're probably going to lose. And I guess that's the problem with him is because is that maybe those good games don't come as regularly as we need them to for someone who's you know being paid thirty million dollars and who's clearly a, a, a pillar on this franchise. Um, let's let's so, ra-
1: well, say, so. Let's let's wrap this up right here. Thirteen and forty. Yeah. Our new boss is a our new boss is a Rod. I'm sure he'll be calling <laughs> us this week. Um, they're a. I think they're a, with the, how the standings work, they're a game and a half behind the Rockets, which means they have a game and a half lead on the worst record in the league.
0: Yeah. I think they're um, about, I think they're about four and a half games out of losing their pick, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. So, so at 13 and 43, if my mimosa math adds up, that's 53. So 72 games. So they got 19 games left in this wild ass season. Um, I think it's safe to say that. I think there's seven and 11 since the all-star break, maybe seven and 12. Um, I think they're going to keep one of the six and 11. Okay. I gave 11. them a free win for getting sure. a rod. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to have one of the three worst records. I just yeah. do like, you know what I mean? Like, I, just, heard, like the I heard, I they the Right, right. I, I clearly hope they do, but I, I think the Indiana game shows you that there's just en- enough immaturity and lack of chemistry that they're, they're going to lose more games. Um, what is, like, your one thing you're looking forward to in a condensed answer over these last 19 games? Like, what would what would 19 games from now you'd be like, okay, cool, I feel pretty good?
0: Uh, Cat, Ant, and Delo just continuing to get minutes together and to kind of wreck teams offensively. They've got a 144 offensive rating. 144 points per 100 possessions in the what 60 odd minutes that they've played together so far this season. That's pretty much about 30 points better per 100 possessions than the best team in the league. So that's like, <laughs> Wait, for real? That's <laughs> I think it's probably yeah, about 20, 20 to 30 points. Like, I think the best in the league is somewhere around 117, and obviously that's a full team, but like there's like if these dudes i even if they're given if there's games like the boston and the uh, indiana game they lose 140 to 135 like i don't know i'm happy i'm not happy with that i want this team to win but in terms of how they've been losing all season that's an improvement if i get to watch ant cat and delo drop 20 each and and kind of weave around each other and and start to build some chemistry and then they still stay in that top three pick range um I'll be happy with that. What about you? Uh, I'm,
1: I'm I'm with you. Like I said, I, I think we have carved out a reality here that they're probably going to have one of the three worst records, which God forbid they have to, um, which means they keep the 40.1% chance of keeping their pick. Um, but yeah, I just think more people hate it. And I, and I kind of, I'm starting to hate it more and more too, like the whole stance of moral victories. Um, but if you just give me 19 more games of what we saw in that Celtics game, a team that comes out um, after they came out so flat against Indiana and comes out and really punches a team in the mouth and then learns how to respond when then the home team punches them back. Um, I, I'm really, I think that's success. I think with everything we've dealt with 19 games of that, maybe they steal a win against a good playoff team. Um, that's all you can hope for. And just seeing, I mean, we're starting to see it, right? Like we're not talking about a bunch of bullshit that's, off the court, We're t- w- you can do a film room session now if you want, like on basketball, on how Carl and Ant and Russell look as a trio. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will. I am
0: going to write about uh, Russell as soon as I, uh, as soon as we get off here. So I am. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to doing that again because it's been a long time since we got to actually analyze this team's core.
1: Well, I, as always, appreciate you letting me just hop on a Zoom and drink beverages and chat (laughs) with you. Uh, Everyone that knows me knows my affection for Jake. Um, Truly one of the best, not Wolves writers, um, truly one of the best basketball writers on the internet. So if you don't already follow him, listen to Paint Points. Uh, Bro, I appreciate you. I'm glad you're not dead (laughs) Um, because that was scary. And uh, if A-Rod calls me, tonight uh, i'll make sure that i cc you on any future emails and it, it's always a pleasure i appreciate you
0: thank you man thank you i appreciate you uh, i always love these shows so everyone listening i appreciate you just as much for listening and for for staying in touch with the show even when we do have one week hospital breaks um and <laughs> yeah i'll be back hopefully during the week with, with something little and then definitely next week and um yeah i'll see you guys then